Howdy folks, and welcome to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship, and what we are is a campus ministry for the convinced and unconvinced believers and non-believers. We put a lot of emphasis on being community and people-oriented and promoting a welcoming atmosphere of inclusivity and comfort. What this podcast is, is a collection of our large group sermons given by our campus minister, Austin McCann. Now, without further ado, we really hope that you enjoy this talk. Howdy! Howdy! All right, so the reading for tonight is John 8, 12, 31 through 38. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus said to the Jews, who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are our offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, You will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And now, if you would pray with me. Dear God, thank you so much for tonight and for gathering us all here together. And I just pray that you will speak through Austin and that everyone in this room uh, will feel your love and your grace poured out uh, through Austin's uh, words tonight. And I pray that whatever troubles um, or stress that everyone may encounter in the next week with midterms or whatever it may be in their life, that you will just give them a peace beyond any understanding um, and that you will just be with them and that you will be with us this weekend as we travel back and forth to Falcon and that you will keep us safe and that you will keep everyone safe with whatever they end up doing this weekend. And thank you so much. Um, for just these amazing people and for us to be able to congregate and praise your name. And again, I pray that you will just speak uh, your truth and love through awesome night. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Carly. Um, Y'all, look, welcome to RUF. My name is Austin McCann. I'm the, I'm the campus minister here. I just want to say, if this is if this is your first time to argue about, I'm like you're you're walking through the doors of All Faith Chapel. We're really glad you're here. Um, we want this to be a place like whether you've been a Christian your entire life or whether you've walked in tonight and you're questioning the truth claims of Christianity. That's okay. We want this to be a place for the convinced and the unconvinced. And so, like Jack said, like we realize that there's a lot of things you could be doing on a Wednesday night. But it's awesome that you're here. Like, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, and so we really do appreciate your time. I want to tell you this. There's actually no other place I've been. Seriously. Like, after, after getting to know all of you and, like, spending time with you, like, there's just no other place I'd rather be on Wednesday night than here in all this chat with you guys. So, um, really, it's a joy to be here. Uh, and look, real quick about uh, RTS um, tomorrow night. If you haven't registered, I sent out that link to the REF group. Come talk to me. Because uh, they, they really want you to register before you just kind of show up. So come talk to me. I can get you uh, squared away with that, and uh, we can get the ball rolling. Um, so if you've been with us, we've been walking through the gospel according to John, and we've been looking at our theme, 
that Jesus is the bringer of life. And tonight, we're going to be in John chapter 8, uh, verses 12, 31 through 38, which, which Carly just read for us. As way of intro, I want you to think about a scenario, okay? All right, think about a scenario where you are getting ready for a date or a wedding or a date party or a swap, right? And you go to look in the mirror, and you look in the mirror, and you just don't like what you see. Right, your hair's messed up. Um, I don't know, your makeup's not right. Uh, you don't like your fit. Uh, and you're, like, your reaction is, stupid mirror. And you just knock the mirror off the wall. Like, you, you might laugh at that in your head and be like, that's kind of weird. Well, <laughs> like, it's easy because you, you're thinking like, well, the, it's not the mirror's fault, right? The mirror's job is just to simply reveal like, what you look like. And so that something can be done about it. And that's kind of a silly scenario, right? But you, have you ever had a friend, like a real friend, in your life that has looked at you and has lovingly and honestly revealed something about you or something going on in your life that you just couldn't see yourself. And your reaction was, was either, like, that person doesn't know what they're talking about, like, he's an idiot. Or, you're like, man, this person really loves me, and it hurts to hear this. But I think they're right. That doesn't sound as crazy. Because that friend is acting as a mirror that is re revealing something in you and about you that actually needs to be healed and needs to change. Proverbs 27.6 tells us this, that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but many are the kisses of an enemy. And what we know is that Jesus is actually a friend of sinners. And tonight, we're about to look at where Jesus says that he is the light of the world. And we will see that because Jesus is the light of the world, he will honestly expose the truth of our hearts so that we may be free from the slavery of utter darkness, and though it may hurt, being able to walk in the light of His truth. And so if we, let his, if we let His truth wound us tonight by revealing our hearts, it will actually lead us to what all of our hearts truly crave, which is a life of freedom. And who doesn't want freedom? So before we dive into our point tonight, I need to provide just kind of a brief context of where we are, okay? So, some time has passed, if you were with us last week, some time has passed since the event of the Passover back in early in chapter 6 that we talked about last week. That happened every spring where Israel would celebrate God's deliverance in the Exodus event and saving them out of, the slave, out of slavery from Egypt. And here in chapter 7 and 8, take place together at an, another event called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles which was a very large Jewish holiday that was celebrated every fall. If the Passover celebrated um, God's deliverance from Egypt, the Feast of Booths celebrated how God graciously provided for the Israelites when he led them out of Egypt and in the wilderness. So it was a celebration of God's wilderness provisions. And this is why our context is so important for tonight for our passage. Because there were three great wilderness images and ceremonies that the, that the Israelites celebrated about God's provision. It was manna, water, and a pillar of cloud, light. And these are the ways that the Lord God cared for his people, cared for the Israelites in the wilderness. The Lord gave them manna, a bread-like substance that came down from the sky every morning. 
And the Lord provided water for them, miraculously from a rock. And then the Lord would lead them by night by a huge pillar of fire that provided light and warmth. So the Lord provided bread, water, and light. Those were the big things celebrated at, these, at this feast. And in John 6, Jesus announces, we talked about this last week, that He is the bread of life. He says that verbally, but then He also physically provides, or feeding 5,000 people with bread. Then in John 7, Jesus yells at this ceremonial pouring of water, that if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And now here in John 8, Jesus is most likely standing very near these 75-foot candles that would have been lit every day at the ceremony. These huge torches that would light up the city to be a reminder to Israel of the pillar of fire of God leading them through the wilderness. And Jesus says, next to these torches, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, Jesus is placing himself in front of these physical, visual ceremonies that represent God's provision, his care, and his deliverance. And is saying, I am all of these things. So what does Jesus mean when he announces to everyone that he is the light of the world? in front of these huge blazing, blazing torches in the temple. Well, three things tonight. So if you're a note-taker, you go. Um, so the light reveals the truth about us. The light reveals the truth about God. And then, how do we walk in light of these truths? So the light reveals the truth about us. The light reveals the truth about God. Then how do we walk in light of these truths? So first, the light reveals the truth about us. In verse 12 and 31 through 34. What we will see, we'll continue to see this throughout our, uh, our series in John, is that the duality of light and darkness is a major theme throughout the book of John. And also the entire Bible. Because the Bible has a lot to say about light, which always represents God, life, guidance, fruitfulness, growth, warmth, provision, protection. But it also has a lot to say about darkness, which, all, which also represents Satan and sin, death, condemnation, blindness, evil, decay, disobedience, and isolation. And when Jesus identifies himself as the light of the world, he is saying that he is the only one that enables us to be able to see clearly. Right? Kind of elementary, but like, just think about how light works, okay? Uh, growing up in my family... Me and like my family and my cousins, we, we would always take a trip uh, down to Orange Beach uh, for vacation every summer. And one year, my cousin Taylor actually ended up bringing his best friend, John Michael. And we were staying in one of those like big condominiums that had like 12 stories. Uh, and every night, we would always jam into this living room. There was like 10 of us. And we would watch a movie every night at the beach. It was so fun. Um, but during the movie, Taylor and John Michael, they actually went to run an errand for my mom. And so we paused the movie, and we waited for them to get back. And when finally they got back to the room, they kicked open the door, and the lights were off, and the movie was on, and John Michael went straight to the bathroom. And Taylor, my cousin, was like stepping over people, and he like jumped and like plopped himself into like on the couch in the middle of people. And then he suddenly heard someone say, like, what are you doing? And the lights flipped on, and reality set in, and he and his friend had actually walked into a complete stranger's room. 
And he's like looking around the room and he sees all these like random children and adults. And he's like freaking out. And he's sitting right next to the dad of the family who's infuriated. He says, get out. And as soon as he says that, you hear the toilet flush. And John Michael like walks out. He's like, what, like, what's going on? And Taylor's like stumbling over these random people, like grabbing John Michael and throwing him out the door. And like, they got back to the room and they were just like flushed with embarrassment. It was hilarious. Um, right, but like without light, like that room was dark. And like without light, my cousin and his best friend, like they were blind to the reality that none of these people were actually their family. But when the lights came on, like immediately, reality actually set in. And they said, ah, like wait a second, you're not my dad, you're not my cousin. You see, light never creates anything new. It just reveals what's already there. Right? It shines forth on something to reveal truth. And Jesus calling himself the light of the world is by definition making a claim about human nature. He is saying, apart from me, humanity actually lives in darkness. We're actually unable to see rightly, fumbling around. And so the life apart from Jesus is described as walking in darkness. And so, what does Jesus reveal about humanity, about us, that we would otherwise never know about ourselves? What does the light of Jesus shining on humanity actually show us? Well, in verses 31 and 33 that Carly read for us, shows us that walking in darkness actually means slavery. Because Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And when, Jewish, and when these Jewish people are following Jesus and they hear that statement, they're offended. Because they say, they say Jesus like, what do you mean, Jesus? Like, we're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anybody. Like, you see in the minds of the Jews that they are thinking, like, sure, like, we may be living under, like, the Roman Empire, but we still have, like, plenty of liberties. We're not really slaves. Or they're thinking, well, at the end of the day, Jesus, like, listen, because we're from a Jewish by race and from the line of Abraham, like we know that God loves us. It's like their pedigree, like their race. And like them rationalizing the lack of or the, their, their, their ability and there's still a, a few like liberties that they still have. Like they're saying, like, this can't be true. Like there's no way that we're enslaved. You see, but Jesus is assuming that even though you may be a free citizen, like, even though you may be a free American, Texas, right? Like, even though you may be from a well-established family, and even with Christian roots, you can still very much be enslaved to darkness. But he says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. See, Jesus' assessment of humanity is the Bible's assessment of humanity, which is really bleak, but accurate. That after the fall of mankind in Genesis 3, we're actually all born into sin. Therefore, we're actually lovers of darkness. Um, I, I, I think J.R.R. Tolkien, I try my best, y'all, to not do Lord of the Rings illustration, but I have to. Um, right, like, J.R.R. Tolkien, I think, captures this best. If you, if you haven't read his books, you really are missing out. Um, please go read his books before you watch the movies. Uh, and then, I don't know, The Rings of Power on Amazon Prime. You can do your hot take after this. There's mixed reviews. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it after or something. Um, 
Right, but J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote uh, Lord of the Rings, okay? Uh, I think one of the best things is like thinking about the, the origin of orcs, okay? This is going back into the Lord of the Rings lore right here, okay? But the reason orcs actually detest sunlight, okay? And orcs are these like gross, uh, deformed, like pale creatures that are like, that serve the enemy. Like the reason they hate sunlight so much is down to the time and the place of their creation. Because Morgoth, this really bad villain back in Lord of the Rings, okay, he bred the orcs at a time when Middle-earth was still shrouded in darkness. And the light of the two trees of Valinor was unable to reach the furthest corners of the world. So the orcs were actually literally born in the dark. And fighting, in, like they were used to fighting and thriving in the black of the night. So when the sun rose over Middle-earth for the first time, years after the, their initial creation, the light actually traumatized the orcs, and it began to burn them, and it blinded them when they were like, go out into darkness. In the movies, you see them out in, in the darkness, like, and, and in the books, they can still work their way around darkness, but they're always wearing cloak, and they're always wearing heavy armor, because they're used, they're used to the darkness. And so, like, their preference for darkness remains in them, both as a result of their first breeding and the will of their original master. You see, Tolkien understood the human heart. And there's no doubt in my mind what inspired the creation of orcs was him, was him going back to the nature, of the, like our original human nature. Because Jesus is saying, like, what, we are either mastered by him, which is freedom and truth, or you are rejecting truth and therefore mastered by sin. And like, I wonder how that lands on you tonight, really. Because some of you would say, like, yeah, I think I would reverse that. Like, honestly. Because I feel like Jesus actually takes away my freedom. Like, Jesus and his rules and his, and his love, they, they actually take away from my freedom in college. Jesus takes away from my sexual freedom with his sexual ethic. Like, Jesus inhibits my relational freedom with his call to love and serve people. He actually, like... He actually inhibits my economic freedom with his call for generosity. But like, hear, the, hear the irony of this. Jesus would say that that language itself, that notion, is the very proof of darkness. Right? I don't know how many of you watched the show or even remember the show. There's a show called Intervention. Uh, it came on A&E uh, a while back, like I think early 2000s. Um, it was a really sad show because they'd actually followed these drug addicts like around in their life. And you would watch how there's one episode of this guy named Jeremy who ended up like throwing his entire family's money away with methamphetamine. And it was really sad because you just watched him like destroying his own body and destroying his future and his family. And so what would happen in every show is they always, the family would always gather and have this surprise intervention at the, at the end of the show. And it's really just not a good, just not a good method. Like, they did it out of love. It's kind of a messy method. But, like, uh, but they would give them an option. They would say this, like, you either have an opportunity to get up, to go out of this house, get on a plane, and go to rehab, or we're leaving you. And what you begin to see is people will react in two ways. Like, they either say, like, yes, okay, they love me, I'm going to go do this. But most of the time, what you begin to see is people responding in resentment and anger. And they began screaming and saying, like, you don't know what it's like. Like, you, like, you're crazy. And right, it was like, 
It's at that response that revealed their own blindness. Because it's bad to be in the darkness, but it's even worse to be in the darkness and think that you're in the light. And this is the point Jesus is trying to make to his audience. Becky, uh, Becky Pipperett, she wrote out of the salt shaker, she said this, the person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by people's opinions. But one thing is certain, no one controls their own lives. They're always controlled by the Lord of their lives. So like, what happens when, when the Lord of your life is trying to find your identity in people's opinion of you? Well, it means that you, you walk into every group, right? Every group of people, and the question running through your head is, do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? How do I get you to like me? And so you begin to figure out like how to posture yourself in front of people and with one group of friends, like you come to RUF, you talk about spiritual things, you act really moral. And then like with another group of friends, like you act really carefree and fun, like nothing bothers you, you live it up a little, and whatever gets you a laugh to earn people's approval. And then like in front of your parents, like you put forward the face of a hard worker at school and you're doing your best. And like do you, do you feel it? You see, like, you think you're controlling what people think of you, but what people think of you is actually controlling you. It's mastery. You see, Jesus is the light of the world, is exposing humanity, shining light on the slavery. He is saying, everyone has a master. The question is, do you see it? Because you're most blind if you think that you're free, that you're actually enslaved. And Jesus is saying, we show up in this world not free but enslaved. Not in the light, but in the darkness. But that leads us to our second point, that the light reveals the truth about God, verses 34 and 35. See, Jesus reveals the truth of our own hearts, but he also reveals the truth about the heart of God to us. Like, if we want to know what God, what Jesus is like, we look at God. We talk about that at the very beginning of our series in John. Not because he isn't a master. Oh, no. Jesus is a master, but he's the master that we're actually made for. And in his arms is true liberation. Like liberation from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom to begin to live as God, as your designer fashioned you to live. And don't miss this. Did you see in verse 37 how the people responded, right? What Jesus says, knowing their hearts. The Jews that he is talking to, they are so blind, so walking in darkness, are the people that he's talking to, that instead of running to, the, to be exposed in the light, they say, we have to kill this guy. <laughs> we have to extinguish the light. And here's the gospel irony of this passage. That if you flip forward in John, and we're going to get there. It's actually going to happen. The light will be extinguished. Because the light is going to keep coming. It's going to keep exposing sin. It's going to keep exposing slavery. And by John 19, Jesus, the light of the world, the pure light himself, will be falsely accused, beaten, spit upon, and then raised on a cross. And there is the light of the world, exposed, revealing himself before the wrath of, wrath of God on our behalf. And do you know what happens? Darkness. Supernatural darkness covers Jerusalem from noon until 3 p.m. What is happening? Well, in this dramatic reversal, the light of the world is consuming the darkness of God's wrath so that we will receive the light of eternal life. 
And then he goes to the grave. And when all hope seems to be lost, when darkness seems to have won, the light of the world extinguished for three days, and why would dark on the morning of the third day, like a nuclear explosion in the light bulb, Jesus breaks through the darkness of death. He rips apart the darkness of enslaving power of sin and comes out, uh, and comes out of the grave in shining resurrection. Announcing to the world freedom. That's what He offers up us in the light of His truth. Freedom from guilt. He's been resurrected. Freedom from the master of success. Freedom from the master of beauty. Freedom from people's approval. Freedom from constantly trying to keep up your reputation. Liberation comes not by our own willpower. Not through revving up our own emotions. It comes from the resurrected King. It comes from the light of the world. His ability. His love. His grace. So like, what does that look like? <laughs> How do you walk in the light? If the light reveals our darkness and reveals who God is, what does it look like to walk in the light? Our last point, how, how do we then walk in the light of this truth? Well, first, I think this is important. Okay? First, what does it not mean? It doesn't mean that we respond like the Jews did here, right? Remember the danger we said, someone believing that they're in the light, but they're actually in the dark. And this is the audience Jesus is talking to. That when Jesus exposes the true nature of their hearts, their response is not to receive it with humility and joy, but instead they want to kill him because they don't like what, the, what, he, what he's saying. They don't like what they're hearing. See, a way we evaluate this in our own life is if we are willing to admit that outside of Jesus, our hearts are enslaved and will be mastered by something else. Like, do your friends or your roommates know that when they confront you in love, you will receive it in humility and grace? Or will it be a response of anger and resentment? Do, do your friends know that they can come to you and talk to you honestly? This will reveal a lot about a person. Are you just okay with repenting of the respectable sins in your life? Or are you willing to repent and let God's Word reveal the non-negotiables. The sin in your life that you just cannot imagine sharing with someone. Do you believe that His light penetrates that deep? Remember, the one revealing is the one who is gentle. He's kind and forgiving. And He's already paid the penalty for it. He's a friend of sinners. And yes, Letting light in hurts, right? We all know that. <laughs> it's painful. Like when you're asleep in your dorm room or whatever room you live in, like, and someone opens up the blinds to your room, we hide under the covers. It hurts. It's painful. Don't let that be new, though, okay? Like, okay. Uh, that's probably loving for your friend to come in there and open it up. Open up your cup. Um, yeah, the blinders to your room. But, like, how do you respond to the light of God's word in your life? Because secondly, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You find all throughout Scripture, from the very beginning to the very end, God's word is always in connection with light. 
What are the first words that God ever speaks? Let there be light. In Psalm 119, 105, the psalmist describes the truth of God's word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Jesus himself is called the word who is called, who's bringing the light of life. That in a world of darkness, walking in the light means abiding in God's word. Letting Him talk to you. So His Word, Scripture, is the mirror that exposes the truth about the darkness of our hearts and refracting to us the beauty and the truth of who Christ is. So, some of you are probably been here, but uh, has anyone been to the Sistine Chapel? I'm sure some of you are. Okay, there we go. Like, in the Sistine Chapel in the, in the Vatican, Michelangelo's famous painting on the ceiling if you go in there, those of you that have gone in there, like, you'll notice that there, there are actually mirrors like on the ground and against the wall. And there's a purpose for that. Because what, you, what they began to notice is like people would go into this, inside the Sistine Chapel, they'd look up, and they'd be staring for a long time, mesmerizing, gazing at the beauty uh, of this artwork. And then there would be this thud. Because if you look up for too long, you actually end up passing out. So the security guards who actually were there for a long time, like they would just hear thuds like all day because people would just be staring up at the ceiling and end up passing out. So they put mirrors like all like across the like lining the, the, the room so that you could actually look into the mirror and study it and look at the painting without having to pass out. And see, like this is how God's word functions in our in our lives. I know it's great. Like, <laughs> don't look up for too long, you're gonna pass out. Like like, this is how God's Word functions in our lives. Like, if we abide in it, as we peer into it, as we study it, as we sit under it, as we talk about it, as we sing it, like, like as, we, as we let it sit in us, <laughs> by the Holy Spirit, He promises us that His Word will shine forth in us to reveal the truth of our hearts. And the truth of his love for him. There's a famous philosopher who went over to a friend's house one night, and their three-year-old was in the other room trying to go to bed, and he screams at the top of his lungs. He goes, Auntie, Auntie! He goes, Talk to me, I'm frightened of the dark. And Auntie responded and said, Well, what good is that going to do? You can't even see me. And the little boy replied, He said, That doesn't matter, but when you talk, it gets light. That is how God works in our lives. That is what His Word does. Let Him talk to you. He promises that it will get that it will shed light. He promises that it will get light. Trustworthy are the are the wounds of friends. Jesus is a friend of friend of sinners, and if we let the truth of His Word shine in our lives, if we let Him wound us. It will lead us to what all of our hearts truly crave. Freedom in Him. Freedom from sin. Freedom from darkness. The light of eternal life. That's an invitation. Let's pray. Father, you do promise us that your word is a lamp unto our, our feet, a light unto our path. Lord, we trust that as we are dealing with the darkness of our sin, Lord, we ask that you would show us it. 
that as hard and as messy and as dark as it is, Lord, you promise us in John 1, 5 that the light came into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. Your light shines brighter than all of our sin. Your mercy, it is more. Grace upon grace. So Father, I pray that you would be with us this week, that we would rest in you, that we would trust you, and that your word would abide in us, and that your truth would sink into our hearts as we are reminded again of the love of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If you're interested in joining us for a large group, we would love to see you at All Faiths Chapel on the north side of campus across from Sabisa at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events we're putting on. We hope to see you around. Thanks and gig em.